Ooh, now what's this man? I love this. A big flashy lighty thing, that's what brought me here. Hello! Wakey, wakey. It's cool to open. Hold to open. Yes, and what do you do? A bad thing. A very bad thing. Watch out, okay? Keep the faith. Stay off the naughtiness. That was funny. Come on, we're boys. And you know what boys say in the face of danger? What? Here come the drums! Hello and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who, the entire television program, specials included in random order. I'm Pete Paschal. And I'm Father Christmas, or as the Doctor knows him, Jeff. Uh, I'm also Chris Taylor, and uh, yeah, we're we're a couple of guys, a couple of journalists, a couple of uh, celebrants of being halfway out of the dark, uh, as we almost are, along with a lot of you, uh, when this records. We should mention that we are taping this uh, right after the giggle. Uh, it's it's the next day, and uh, I think we're still a little partied out. I don't know about you, but I'm 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 feeling a bit uh, a bit shooty here with my uh, you know the the lazy oh, tie yeah. draped around the neck and yeah either shooty or frank sinatra but i i gotta say okay. that what we're doing today is is such the, the perfect kind of antidote to kind of like exploding our brains with new head cannon and it's just a nice soft landing that the randomizers provide us with totally for those now watching on youtube uh chris is re- <laughs> revealing that he is all all full shooty got here with the Shirt and tie, and I hope he's wearing pants. That's all I have to say. I um, I will never say. <laughs> so <laughs> only, only Mel Bush knows. I've got a few uh, Easter eggs in the background. You might have noticed because uh, uh, it's the season, and even though it's a week early, uh, at least when this is posting, um, we have arrived at well something that might be very relevant to the season (laughs) but before i get there i want to describe that previously on pull to open we were at for the 60th anniversary special virtually the day of we were at the 10th anniversary special we were doing the three doctors which i gotta say after the giggle looking back at that you know i am he as and he is me and we are all together turned out to be a spoiler (laughs) yes that's true. Man, this randomizer, it is it is incredible, the through line, because, well, Nightmare of Eden was a bit of a weird one to justify Which in between. was perfect uh, for the Toymaker's return. It was a bit weird. It was yeah. a bit on drugs. That's true. That's true. Kind of <laughs> bit of a high there, you might say. And uh, But then we, we went right back into some classic tenants, particularly some massive cosmological scale tenants. Yes. Right around the same time we were given our hot take on Wild Blue Yonder. We were so also wild. doing our, our, our regular takes on the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit, joined by one Ellie Blackwood from uh, TikTok influencer fame, you might remember yes. her from. And then, with Ellie's random juice, uh, we we came here to to uh, post giggle landing, which mm. is the 2010 Christmas special, A Christmas Carol. Damn. I'm so so excited, as you can tell by my bar humbug hat, mm. um, uh, which uh, is actually my father's hat. He was actually called Jeff. 
so let's just say that he was Father Christmas. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled <laughs> to get into it. That role. <laughs> it's, what More a what a perfect thing to wear for a for a tale of a father and a son and a son trying to escape the shadow of his father and all of these things. But anyway, before we start, if you want to cut right to that where we get all timey-wimey and all Christmassy with it. Uh, with our commentary on a Christmas carol, check the show notes, the exact time to fast-forward to, but you don't necessarily want to do that because you will miss the Humoji Challenge, an all-new Humoji Challenge in which Pete will give me uh, Doctor Who's story title in the form of emoji. I have to try and guess it. I usually uh, kind of fall flat on my microphone at that point. No, not um, lately. Not yeah, no, no, I've, I've no. been doing pretty well. Although Ellie uh, did walk away with the title, so uh, you know mm-hmm. we're going to have to manufacture a new Sonic. Um, yeah, to, stole uh, that from Stephen Shapansky, who helped yeah. us out recently <laughs> in another recent podcast. Oh my goodness, we, we should just issue all our guests with Sonic Sonics when they win the Emoji <laughs> Challenge. Uh, we got another poll to open coming up on Nightmare of Eden and lots more in the poll to open Pulse Loop. Of course. And first up in the pulse loop, folks, we have a presence, not just in your ears and on your eyes on YouTube, but also on something called the World Wide Web. We are at pulltoopen.net, where it is a place you can also subscribe to the Pull to Open newsletter. You'll get our regular free notes, complete notes that we use to uh, when we do the podcast, which usually includes a few things we don't get to. So there are some... Uh, observations that are exclusive to you as a newsletter subscriber and we would very much appreciate if you could support the podcast uh go ahead and steer your browser to patreon go to patreon.com slash pull to open to become a patron and ensure you will get more takes hot and otherwise on doctor who in the months and years to come and speaking of hot takes we had so much fun doing fun and inverted commas doing all of the hot takes on the 60th anniversary specials we want to keep that energy going we are going to sacrifice little bits of our christmas day december the 25th for you for you dear listener because we know that you are also going to be watching the church on ruby road the exciting new first full shooting at episode uh with ms sunday Mm. Uh, entering the picture and perhaps some goblins coming along but we're going to talk about all of that in a hot take commentary posted the actual same day so that's uh, why it is awesome if you can support us for doing such things uh, and just you know toss us toss us the uh, the cost of a Christmas beverage governor uh, mm-hmm. into our cap and uh, how, Pete, how else can people uh, be kind to us at Christmas well, seeing as we're going to leave them an extra gift under the tree a little later in the day, uh, they can also give us a gift, and it is the gift of reviews. If you could uh, go ahead, open up your Apple Podcast app if you're on an iPhone, and if you're not, just steal your friends, and go ahead and leave <laughs> us a review. Uh, reviews really do help the show and get us more visible in front of more people in the apple podcast app and it does not take much go ahead just leave a few characters just leave a few emojis in fact if you want to leave some emojis in the form of a doctor who title that is our favorite thing in the world and it also fuels the next thing in the pulse loop which of course is the emoji challenge i like that it's become emoji 
It's, like, <laughs> it's shifting from its linguistic base. Bahamoji. Bahamoji. You know what I call it? Getting something for nothing. Well, we're going to get someone in the tree icicle stand. I don't know. There's something here where we're dropping icicles at you and it's going to be <laughs> trouble. The metaphor is getting too stretched and we just got to get right to it. Guys, it's time for the Humoji Challenge where I get to torture Chris with a bunch of emojis that represent a Doctor Who title and he gets to guess it. Uh, he does no help this uh -huh. week. He's the only contestant that's and right. And this one, hmm, I think it's very apt. And that's already a hint. I shouldn't have said, probably, but uh -oh. we're going to get right into it. Are you ready, sir? I am ready as I'll have to be. All right. Four emojis. Here we go. First emoji, life preserver. Hmm. Second emoji, ship. <laughs> Third emoji, uh, what of the devils, but it's like a the red devil with sort uh, of the, the mane. It's got sort of a, a black outline. I'm a cafalata. Here's the thing. And then there is the skull and crossbones. Gotta be got? Voyage of the Damned. Yeah, a little doozy. Voyage hey. of the Damned it is. Good work. A perfect one for Christmas. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bob. And yeah, thank you very much. That was Bob from Bob Gilby, longtime friend of the pod, always supplies us with a healthy amount of emojis. We've got a few more. We're going to trickle out in the coming weeks, and I would rate that one as the easy one. So uh, watch <laughs> out for future Chris. Uh, right. I, I'll warn future Chris when I see him. But folks, I also want to talk to you. That's right, you, listener on Spotify. There are many, many ways to interact with the show on Spotify. I see the numbers. I know you're not all using the polls. Use the polls. There is a poll there just for you. And it is the poll that asks you what you think of the episode that we are talking about. And you can do that right now. You can actually go into your app and rate a Christmas carol with whatever you want. Any of our uh, signature ratings, everything from the Viscount Banger to the Lady Cassandra. Go ahead and do it. You can do it now. You can wait until you hear what we have to say about it, but please do use it. We'll remind you again at the end of the show because then you can be part of the follow-up, which we're about to do right now for Nightmare of Eden, where we talk about the results. And oh my Ooh, goodness. Yeah. People know likey. <laughs> no, they, they had a nightmare with Nightmare in Eden because with a stunning 42.9% of the vote, the Ogron is is winning this race. I say winning because, of course, you can change the outcome right now. Just go back to the Nightmare on Eden uh, of Eden episode and, and vote in that poll that's right there. But yes, they, they like that. Then the next most popular rating was the Professor Hater, mm. which is we both had right. Hater in our ratings okay. you you were a full hater i was a hater cassandra uh and uh, cassandra got 14.3 percent equal with the dalek no viscount bangers no fixed points in time mm. uh yeah it would be tough to call this one a viscount banger i gotta say that <laughs> i do get the dalek though like you know mm. if there is a certain maturity and the way they sort of attacked this and tried to kind of be the wire in space or the french connection or whatever it was definitely interesting and so like if you were into those themes and especially sort of the fact that douglas adams was sort of still the script editor and putting That's in right. a lot of that creativity uh, you could it's say got a lot yeah. of that season 17 juice yeah it's defensible uh, 
Yeah, yeah. So I get it. I get it. Uh, but yeah, keep voting. Keep voting. If you're in line, stay in line. And also go over to youtube.com slash pull to open. Uh, that's a good place to leave the emoji title that you, you might want to torture me with in the new year. Please make a New Year's resolution to do that and to uh, smash that like, subscribe, bell icon buttons. Uh, you can find the hot takes there, the shorts there, uh, the tighty whities there. No, wait a minute. Just shorts. Just shorts. And Pete, where I feel else like can... there's a blooper somewhere where Tenet says tidy whitey instead of timey wimey. <laughs> don't find that footage. Who knew that that's what Tenet was wearing all along? Uh, <laughs> we've never seen the doctor's underwear before. We've seen him in shower, but yeah, it's in a dressing gown. Anyway, sorry, we're getting sucked back into the giggle, which is just all imprinted right. on all our screens. Well, folks, what you don't want to do is send us any pictures of tidy whities on any of our <laughs> social networks, but you should follow us there, uh, particularly on TikTok, where we're at Pull to Open. We post regular shorts there all the time, clips from the show. Uh, and we're also on Twitter, slash X, Instagram, Facebook, and Threads, all at Pull to Open 63, as well as Blue Sky, where we're also at Pull to Open. And that right. is that. Yeah, now is the time when we just go straight into talking about A Christmas Carol without summarizing it in any way. Wait, what? That's right. Hold on a second. Did we just time jump over TLDW? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just I went back in time. I erased TLDW, and uh, we don't do it in the show anymore. Sorry. Oh, my God. All right. Oh, okay, okay. Just because it's Christmas. (laughs) Yes, we'll have to split off. (laughs) There'll be one version of me that just goes home forever and never does TLDW again. Uh, Well, Mm -hmm. this version carries on. Yeah, and unfortunately, you're this version. You're not having <laughs> Christmas every day. And we're going to summarize the Christmas special, but the specials are always a bit of a conundrum here because mm. they're a little longer than your average episode. And I think this one's a bit longer. I think it's closer to an hour's runtime uh, than the normal sort of 45, 48 minutes. And we usually give one minute to summarize stories that are new who, but this seems like it's a, say, 75 seconder. What do you say? I, I'd say, uh, I, I say 75 seconds is very generous. Thank, thank you, Governor. Thank you. So kind. Give me 75 seconds. And you've got them. Let's get to them here on the official pull to open summary of A Christmas Carol coming at you in five. Four, three, two, one, go. Amy and Rory are on a ship, a uh, spaceship in the future. They're in the honeymoon suite playing dress up. But what's happening? The ship's crashing on this planet. That There's the cloud layer and it's, it's bumping them along. But the guy, the, the doctor investigates because they have a, a distress signal. And he says, come along, Bond. And he finds out that uh, there's a guy in the clouds below, uh, Kazaran Sadrek, who uh, could uh, let the ship pass through the cloud layer. But he's not going to because he's evil and mean and old. But he also doesn't hit a kid uh, that, that is asking uh, for some uh, girl to get opened out of a, a casket on Christmas Day. Uh, so Doctor wants to know why, and Doctor goes back to his, him as a kid, and uh, and they play with the fish that swim through the atmosphere of this planet, uh, and swim through the cloud layer, and the sonic screwdriver gets heart, half eaten by a giant shark. Oh no! Uh, but, the, but the Doctor manages to make Kazran uh, much more human by introducing him to the, the woman, uh, and, and Kazran grows up. They do this every Christmas Eve, and, uh, and they go and uh, they go to like 19 
1950s Earth, and they just have a lot of fun. But but then it turns out that that she's dying. Uh, but she can she can save Kazrak one more time because because he he sees his kid sees his future self, and and then uh, and uh, and then she sings the, the fish, and that allows the uh, crystals in the cloud layer to let the ship through. Not bad. Wow, I was really worried about you. <laughs> you got, like, to the full first minute almost without even getting to the time travel stuff visiting every christmas eve which is kind of seems like most of the story anyway um, <laughs> yes, i did but you pulled it out even though you're a couple seconds over we'll allow it um yeah thank good you. summary thank you yeah i mean it's it is definitely one we should say uh, for, well I'll, I'll just speak for myself it, it got even better this time around. I liked it the first time. Uh, and we should say that we have discussed this on Pull to Open before. <laughs> long, long time listeners and people listening to the entire back catalogue of Pull to Open while cleaning buses um, will have heard us talking about A Christmas Carol in our very, very first episode, Who Doesn't Love Christmas? That's right. We had some takes, not fresh takes, because we hadn't <laughs> seen it all that right. Well, I, I think I'd seen it recently with my kids, but it's it was very interesting coming back to it. So I've I've definitely seen this even a couple of times since, because this is kind of a favorite in my household. You know, there's obviously a lot of Doctor Who Christmas specials to choose from, and this is one we come back to often. Uh, I watched it again, and this is an interesting thing. Just because of scheduling this week, I couldn't. We couldn't watch it all together as a family, so I watched it hmm. twice this week: once with Grace <laughs> and once with Jack. Nice. And it was interesting to see them both. Uh, I'll t- I'll talk about how the, what they thought of it this hmm. time in a minute. But what I really liked was they both really looked forward to it both times. When I said, mm-hmm. "Oh, we're doing a Christmas Carol this week," they were both like, "Oh, wow!" You know, like their eyes kind of lit up. Like, "Oh, I love that one. Let's go." Yeah, I'm, we're looking forward to it. So. Um, they, they have very fond memories of it. And now that they're older, so Grace is now 10 and Jack just turned 14. Um, and they've, they've kind of seen it a few times throughout their youth. Right. And their, the reactions mm. this time were a little, were very interesting. I'll get into them later, mm. but, um, this is kind yeah. of a classic for them. It has repeatability, and and I use that word very advisedly. We we just mentioned briefly Voyage of the Damned in the uh, in the uh, Humoji challenge, and that that's where we learn that RTD is really into uh, little bits of dialogue that have repeatability. But mm. the show itself, in terms of having a, a Christmas special itself that is just so repeatable, uh, as as you say, you know, you can watch it both for your kids individually. You can watch it twice. It's not necessarily enough. It's it's got that Christmassy vibe, exactly like say, it's a Wonderful Life, uh, which a lot of people watch every year. Yeah, on, my on wife Christmas. Yeah, you know, everyone it, people love uh, other versions of a Christmas Carol. Uh, the, the Muppets version is a favorite for a lot of people. Um, you know, because yeah. who doesn't well, love Muppets? But doesn't and this this yeah. has this Christmas special, perhaps above all of them. Like last Christmas may be the best. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whatever you think. But this one you can just watch over and over, uh, and that is Moffat's genius at work here. Uh, Moffat in full flow. Yeah, one thing we raved about in our brief commentary on it in the first episode was just the timey-wiminess of it. I mean, I think mm-hmm. everyone universally loves the device. I mean, it's it's tailor-made, right? Because you have the, A Christmas Carol. It's obviously Ghost of Christmas Past, Present, and Future. It's just begging to be <laughs> reinterpreted by any mm-hmm. story that uh, wants to play with time travel. And Mo- Moffat really delivers here. I mean... It's, it's, again, it's really smart. Um, the idea of, you know, time can be rewritten. 
which isn't brand new in this uh, episode, but this might be the sort of best realization of that idea in Doctor Who. In in he changes the personal history of an individual in kind yeah. of real time, even though the term real time is a little bit meaningless when you're talking about time travel. Mm. But to see that happen, and again, like uh, you know, if you want to be a stickler, you know, I was going to say. I was going to say rules that are weird, but they work in the story. I I I will say that uh, later on I'll be having a bar humbug corner in which I question the ethics of changing Kazran's life like this. Uh, we've got a yeah. bit of a trolley problem issue going on, but let's let's put all that aside for now because we'll come back around to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely have thoughts on that. I um, I do. You're absolutely right. Just on the timey wiminess before we leave it, just that that scene of the Doctor walking into the other room. Um, you know, where and just appearing on uh, young young Kazran's right. film, like just the mm. instant you don't often see that. First of all, we we should say that the TARDIS is being uh, uh, interestingly specific here and exactly where it's able to go and very very quickly and back and forth. It's acting a bit like a taxi service. Yeah, uh, as, it, as it sometimes does, but we'll forgive that. It's a bit weird that it can't do it above the cloud layer and lock onto the ship, but again, we'll forgive it. It's Christmas. Um, right, that's just sort of glossed over in a single <laughs> line. It says, can't do it with the TARDIS, can't lock on. It's like, a, okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can't visit New York in the 30s or whenever Damien Roy works because of reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to do these sort of contrivances, and I'm glad they just don't spend a lot of time with it or get more detailed than that. You, they say it. You gloss over it. Don't give people time to dwell. Move on. So that's that's the smart way to do that. One thing I keep forgetting about a Christmas Carol is that this is the one where the Doctor goes and or, and does or doesn't marry Marilyn Monroe. Right, his other wife, his Which, other other wife. I've definitely <laughs> sort of stitched that in my brain together with more sort of the River Song era of season six that's coming up, right? Because uh, it feels very much like that. Like it's that. This is kind of like there's bits of surprisingly mature Doctor Who here. Uh, mm. which things that, oh, yeah. I mean, what are Amy Rory doing in the, in the Johnny Boone suite and dressed up in uh, those particular outfits? I'm sure there are going to be some questions um, from young kids to, to embarrassed parents about that. Yeah, uh, these are sort of the parts of Moffat that you either love or hate or they mm. irritate you or they don't. I, I personally really like them. I mean, you know, this is the guy who did coupling. You know, he's yes. going to get fun with the relationships and be wry with it, uh, occasionally pushing up to the limits of it being appropriate or not. I mean, yeah. And then, this did. has to be the Doctor Who episode with the most on screen kissing. Uh, and it isn't oh, the Doctor. Maybe. Right? Yeah. It's it's uh, Kazran and, good God, why do I keep forgetting Abigail. her name? Abigail. Yeah, I'm so sorry, Abigail. I'm so sorry, Catherine Jenkins. Who, Ooh. yeah, you know, she, the, a discussion of Catherine Jenkins might might belong in in our bar humbug corner. But I will just focus on the one thing that that stood out for me this time, and it's because uh, I listened to the the BBC Sounds Doctor Who 60th Anniversary concert special, where they really where they play uh, Abigail's song, mm-hmm. "Silence Is All You Know," and. Because of that, because my brain was, I think, already primed for it, I really got into that this time. I have mm-hmm. been listening to the Murray Gold soundtrack album uh, kind of on repeat this week. Wow, look at you. And yeah. 
you know, the, the, the thing that I dinged it for in our original uh, Christmas podcast was, you know, like it just kind of the, the ridiculousness of the image of like, she's singing to fish on the sonic screwdriver microphone. Uh, but yeah, I but kind I mean, of like that now. Well, I'm I'm all in on it now. It's the ridiculousness of, of Doctor Who. Only this show can do that. Only this show can do that. And uh, really only Moffat could be so bold as to sort of throw all this imagery together and just go full fantasy. So he deserves a lot of praise for this. I think, <laughs> I don't think he needed anything to go to his head. I think he was already mm-hmm. sort of very confidently taking Doctor Who into a fantasy world. But this really does it full on and re- it really succeeds on so many levels. So you mentioned sort of the visuals and the singing and the the, the fish flying around in air. And he gives sort of very light explanations for that, which is fine. I mean, it's Doctor Who. And it, you know, so so again, this is sort of one of the things uh, Jack really liked in, in that he, being older now, sort of thought more about the storytelling elements. And he just thought about like, oh, the setting's really good. Mm. Like it being sort of this earth colony, this unspecific, but also like it's got this steampunk veneer to it. Yes. So it's, it's futury, but it's sort of also trapped in sort of a Victorian style. I mean, there's just a bit where that guy is sort of talking to the doctor outside and he's shaking his hand. Oh, never seen anyone stand up to Mr. Kazran like that. And yeah. he's shaking his hand and he does this thing where he puts on some goggles. Yes. And you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> you're like, God, yeah. this is steampunk world. And it kind of works because there's mist and there's sharks and they've really thought through what a world like that would look like. Uh, hence all the portholes, the round, the round windows Ooh. everywhere. Very, very deliberate ocean reference, uh, you know, sea reference. You definitely got the, that sort of weird uh, Doctor Who sense that. And there's a moment where he says, I love new planets, fish Ooh. that can fly. Uh, and it's so perfect. It's a perfect collision of a literal Moffat childhood nightmare, which is he used to right. dream of uh, shark or have nightmares about sharks evolving uh, in real time. I think he'd been watching too much Doctor Who. Maybe he'd been watching too much Full Circle, uh, evolving in real time and just like swimming onto land and flying at him. So he okay. turns that into actual Doctor Who uh stuff you know in a very jaws like way and it, it really works well this is also like i think close to peak sharknado yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right you know, traumatizing, uh, time for stephen moffat <laughs> really really yeah, i i i like um so much of of that design we talked about the portholes i really like how they use that even as a visual cue mm. for the doctor to come in and out of his life sardic's life mm-hmm. and you know when he's there later outside the window when he hasn't even turned on the sonic which is you know you might think like, how did he even do that but i think it really really works that he's sort of has this moment where he's going to call him He's there, and then that actually steals himself to it. And I, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, Kazran and the character. And Michael Gambon. I, 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 it gets better every Michael Gambon. Oh my God, he cannot cannot say enough about it. I mean, him. this and, is we'll get to why the randomizer chose this, but this is sadly our first Christmas without Michael Gambon. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, so well, what a choice. Yeah, what a way to honor him. Well, he was, he's incredible. His storyline here is, is fantastic. Um, but I got to say, something about it bothered me the first yeah. time I saw this. And over time, I have gotten comfortable with it and actually even like it because it actually makes more sense. And you know, I feel, feel like I was denser back then. So here's the thing that bothered me. 
I felt like he didn't really have a reason to be, I, I think evil. I used the word evil in a previous podcast. I think that's wrong. I think he's just, you know, not he's, empathetic, right? Yeah, he's apathetic and he's nihilist and he's just, he only believes in himself. Yeah. Because and, it's and, just easier. And I think his, it, you know, clearly he's had a really rough childhood. He'd had an abusive mm. father and all of that's just plainly there. Um, but I also felt like, well, why wouldn't he at least be changed enough by the Christmases that he spent to at the very least change, like uh, save this uh, ship full of people? I mean, surely isn't that enough? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like he needs that final push with the ghost of Christmas future moment, which is a great moment. But I also yeah. felt like, well, surely, surely at this point, he's not totally the same guy. But then I, I, you look at it and it's all, again, it's there. He's, he's now so full of anger mm. at the doctor for yes. both having him fall in love with someone who's only has a day to live, but Which, also just manipulating him. Like I like, like yeah. he, it's, he just says like, I, and, and it, it works so well because at the end there, he's screaming at the doctor about how he doesn't care. Like, which is mm. the ultimate ironic like, can you hear yourself moment? Right. Yeah. Like, and, and some, and, and when he finally sees himself as a kid and he's, it's the ghost of Christmas future moment, which is absolutely the inspired twist mm. by Moffat and this kind of old timey whiny yeah. thing, it all comes together. So this is, you know, the last, th this time we're watching Christmas Carol, it was all just felt right to me. Uh, finally, mm. like, I think I was just kind of dense about it and a little too literal about this stuff going on and the, the equation at work, right. That the doctor mm -hmm. sort of nudging him to this better person. Whereas while he was doing that, it, he would, he, it's like, it's like um, the uncertainty principle, right. You get too close. Like there, there's, there's sort of an equal and opposite reaction. Well, that's another science, but anyway, mm -hmm. you, you can't, it, it's not linear. In other words, like Kazran's reaction to that uh, is, is something he didn't factor in. So it's, it shows that yes. again, the doctor is super clever but he doesn't know everything and things sometimes backfire. This, this is Moffat. And it's hard to say, believe I'm even going to say this, but this is Moffat taking a step beyond where Charles Dickens went. Mm. Right. Because if you really examine the story of Scrooge, it's about three ghosts ganging up on an asshole, but is what the ghosts do any better? Like it's, right. you know, so this is like, I like that. And it really comes to the fore when you rewatch it that Kazran is kind of right. The doctor mm -hmm. is kind of a dick for making him fall in love with Abigail. Like he didn't mm -hmm. think that one through or like, oh. you know, look at the very obvious numbers on her door. Like she's only got seven days to live. He's just like, Oh, she happened to be the one that was out in, uh, in Kazran's study when the family came to beg for her freedom on Christmas day. Um, Right. Well, also, Catherine had clearly gone down and watched her video before about, you know, she loves the fish. Yeah. As, as a child, he had. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that he does. Michael Gamble does play it as if there's not a whiff of any memory of her in, in that opening scene. So it really mm -hmm. does make that difference. All of a sudden you see the memories hitting him and that's where he really shines as an actor. Cause you can literally see in his eyes when the moment those memories arrived is that he has that great line, but that never happened, but it yeah. did. Yeah. And just the, the simplicity of that really sells it. Oh, he has so many great lines along those lines. Like uh, I yeah. just met the doctor tonight. And now it seems I've known him all my life. Yes. You know, it's like, 
but yeah. also uh, he I has know. whatever reactor wants, which is a great, great number of lines of him just being a dick. Well, it's just mm. like, is, is that sort of a threaty thing? <laughs> I love the way well, he says I'm going to say, we gotta, I can rave and rave and rave about like the, the first scene, like mm. basically where the family is there begging Sardik to let Abigail out and the doctor comes down the chimney. Yes. Matt Smith is at, you know, full 110% Geronimo doctor. Yes. Like from minute one, he's got so many great lines. You know, he's Geronimo down a chimney. Uh, <laughs> and, and he does say that he does produce a picture of himself with Father Christmas, Frank Sinatra, Albert Einstein. Yeah. Says the three of us together, Broom, watch out. Okay, keep the faith, stay off the naughty list. Which who is. Knew? That was for- <laughs> who knew that was, that was foreshadowing? <laughs> yes. Now, what do, how does this fit into canon with Last Christmas? Because, of course, Last Christmas is all a dream, but the Doctor is intent on proving that Santa Claus doesn't exist. Mm. Uh, are we? What are we doing to headcanon this? Are we, are we saying that there is a difference between Father Christmas and Santa Claus, and the Doctor believes in one, but not like one is real and is called Jeff, but the other isn't, and is just a figment of your you know face crab imagination? Uh, I guess you have to just think that he got a Santa picture with Sinatra that he keeps around and it was just some guy in the Santa suit. And now when he <laughs> sees kids at Christmas, he pulls it out and says he was with Santa, but he knows it's not really him. Yes. I think that's the best, most straightforward thing. But um, <laughs> since last Christmas, maybe he's starting to question the identity of that guy. We'll see. But yeah, all the all the hmm. Smith stuff in that scene is great. I love the Sardic stuff too, where he goes, you know, they said, Well, the, the ship's going to crash, sir. And he's like, Well, that that's a sort of landing, isn't it? He's <laughs> 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 like, Oh, that's funny. And he manages that um, Moffat manages to squeeze in his classic Who references with the isomorphic controls. Uh, oh yeah. Reference to pyramids of Mars. Uh, yes, where the doctor fibs about isomorphic controls, right? Yep, he fibs about it, and uh, he here he he seems to insist they're not real because maybe he tried to make the TARDIS isomorphic at some point and just couldn't do it. But here we go, <laughs> figured it out on this Earth colony. But yeah, that that was pretty funny. That's a pretty funny reference. And and then Matt Smith just has the perfect sort of defeated line reading of these controls are isomorphic. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. It really is. I mean, the 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 dialogue is so snappy. It's so screwball. Mm-hmm. It's so Moffat dialogue at its best. Uh, I love Amy. Amy, you know, talking to the Doctor. Which uh, the good few moments between them, even though Amy and Rory are kind of sidelined here. You're talking about toward uh, the end, right? Yeah. Uh, no, they, right after the Doctor says halfway out of the dark. Uh, like, but you didn't hit the boy, and it, like, there's, there's a bit oh, when they're on their where, walkie-talkie, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. He's, he's checking in. She says, "Have you got a plan yet?" Doc says, "Yes, I do." Amy says, "Are you lying?" Doctor says, "Yes, I am." Amy says, "Don't mm-hmm. treat me like an idiot." Rory says, "Was he lying?" Amy says, "No, no." <laughs> it's just a yeah. you know, it's snap, snap, snap. So it's not all sort of uh, as I as I said, and when we reviewed this the first time, like you know, very very loud trying to reach the living room at Christmas kind of stuff. Well, there is definitely elements of that. So the thing is one of the, you mentioned it already, but one of the drawbacks here is Amy and Rory are pretty much sidelined to make mm-hmm. room for the Michael Gambon and Matt Smith show, which is uh, absolutely justified. I mean, you know, they're both, that's, that's the, the heart of the thing. It's this, 
uh, conflict between these these two people, the person mm-hmm. trying to turn the other person into something and just sort of figuring out the consequences of that. But the other part that isn't so great is the ship crashing. Just it, it's not real. It's obviously not really thought thought through and it's super cliche. So it's mm-hmm. supposed to be like the bridge of the enterprise, but it's the bridge of the enterprise in the new reboot movies with Chris Pine. Yeah. And there are lens flares all over the place like I think they brought in J.J. Abrams just to shoot that scene. <laughs> it's very and, 2010. It's not aged well. And it's it's things are exploding constantly and smoke's coming out and things on the screen are appearing at like crazy times. And it just doesn't really make any sense. Like, wait, why you're crashing for an hour and stuff keeps blowing up on this bridge, which is already a dumb contrivance. And you can kind of squint in action movies and think like, well, either you know, giant power surges are happening as they're getting destroyed, or maybe actually the actual torpedoes are exploding right next door or whatever. I, I, you know, you'll go with it. But here mm. you're like, oh, we're going to crash in an hour. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, wait, which is it? Is something urgently happening right this second, or is something happening at some theoretical point in the future? It can't seem to decide. So all of that yeah. was kind of weak. Definitely the weakest bit. Definitely the weakest part moments for Moffat's dialogue. I've been thinking all week, so I mentioned on the uh, Who Doesn't Love Christmas, uh, that's the the line, Christmas is cancelled, always mm. riles me up. This time I was hung up on, like, you know, once the Doctor uh, gives his come-along pawns, you know, appears on the screen as the, the TARDIS starts towing the ship, which, by the way, why again? Couldn't he just keep doing that? Why couldn't it lock <laughs> on? It appears to have locked on. Anyway, um, and then uh, it, there's a moment of like zoom in on Karen Gillan's face, and you know we're, we're waiting for the big line where she says, "What does it mean that the Doctor said come along, Pond?" And she just says, "It's Christmas," and that has just seemed so naff that I've spent about the last week since I rewatched Christmas Carol trying to come up with better lines in oh, my head. Should we, should no. we do the top ten? I, you know, I can't say I've actually come up with any because uh, <laughs> I push the thought away every time it pops right. up. But I'm just I'm erasing rewriting corner. <laughs> the notes. Yeah, it's just bar humbug corner. I'm just over here bar humbugging from yeah. my armchair at Stephen Moffat and just saying, come uh, on, it's, Moffat. One of the, it's one of the few things to bar humbug about is the stuff on the ship and the bad dialogue, uh, apart from some of the nice cleverness with Amy and Rory and their costumes and, you know, some of the wink, wink, nudge, nudge stuff, which again, might irritate you, but I really liked it. But it's so, like, for every scene like that, there's a moment where, which I have to say, I think in the history of the psychic paper, this might be one of its best moments. And it's very much like what happens to the uh, psychic paper in Star Beast, where, you know, it's it's not caught up with the mm. master, grandmaster of the knowledge. This is grandmistress. Uh, in here, the doctor produces the psychic paper to young Kazran, who's trying to see... Uh, is 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 this man really the babysitter that he says he is? And the doctor says, I think you'll find I'm universally recognized as a mature and responsible adult, which is just the funniest line of dialogue to put in Matt Smith's <laughs> mouth. And Kazran says, it's just a lot of wavy lines. The doctor says, yeah, it's shorted out. Finally, a lie too big. <laughs> yeah. Which just builds up so much. Like the doctor is a liar. Uh, and he does overuse the psychic paper and this is just a step too far and then he, he makes a mary poppins reference that i didn't quite understand 
Um, I, maybe you can explain this to me. He says, when have you ever seen rubbish. Mary Poppins? Kazra says no. Rubbish. Yes, but good, because that comparison would have been rubbish. Well, what, what comparison exactly? Because Kazran has just asked what's, asked what's so special about you. Is that like leading us into a Poppins song or something? I, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. I think it's just, you know, it feels like something that was he just liked the sound of and just left in, talking about mm. Moffat here, you know? And I don't know if there's too much to be read into it other than... Mary Poppins and the Doctor. I guess it's happened. I guess there's been comparisons. I, I just I feel guess like... they, they've just been talking about babysitters. So the yeah. Doctor's like, I'm kind of like Mary Poppins, uh, but she was actually a licensed babysitter. Doctor, not even yeah. the psychic paper will pretend to be a babysitter for you. Uh, quite so, devil may care. So mm. I don't think there's much more to be read into it than that. Mm. So Chris, I do feel like we got to get to the Bah Humbug Corner, just because. <laughs> It's, you know, we've got to get it out, out of our chests. Uh, it's, it's, like it's, it's the, this is the Festivus moment. All right. <laughs> the airing of grievances about a Christmas carol. All right. I'm it gets, ready. It gets, a little bit, it gets a little bit grim and a little mm. bit, you know, some of the stuff that this Earth colony has become. So just look at what Kazrin's doing and his dad in terms of taking these people as what they call security and freezing them underground or in this room and just kind of keeping them there mostly out of spite mm. uh, as some kind of incentive system that no one can ever really pay off. Uh, it's very weird. And, you know, it, again, fantasy world, we're going to go with it. Um, but there's some grim stuff here as well as, you know, just the whole idea of, you know, I think you're about to go into ad adjusting someone's life to your own end. Now, yeah, I think well we can... Sort Before of I give... get there, yeah, while, while you were talking about colonists, I was reminded of the fact that we are on a colony. And mm -hmm. uh, Sardik says right at the beginning, on this world, the first, first settlers called it the Crystal Feast. Now, are the first settlers the same as what's now? Is it? He's implying that it's, it is now Christmas because they're all singing Christmas carols. So basically, a Christian culture has come in uh, and overridden what the first settlers called it uh you know the crystal feast uh well no i took that to mean that the people who settled called it something i, I didn't i didn't first of all I, I don't necessarily think well actually it is christmas right because the, mm. the family is doing christmas yes yeah, so so, he says back on earth we called this christmas or the winter solstice yeah but i mean the settlers yeah. must have been humans you know yes. Like in a, so, yeah. But I don't know. Then, then they were somehow pushed out by this Christmas worshiping cult. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> just come along. I told well, you, it's full, we're going full festivus, baby. It's a lot to. It's a big read. So I guess what hmm. you could conclude is that the people who first came trying to sort of do something different or had some other religious thing, I don't know. But then as this colony grew more successful and more people came because earth still holds Christmas as, as a, the, the main sort of holiday in the solstice and even in the future that just naturally sort of took over. Mm -hmm. um, 
that's that's sort of what I would sort of read that. But who knows? That's a lot of speculation. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it, there is one point of the Doctor Who confidential on this. If you watch, there's one one crew member sort of casually talking about the kind of clothes that the colonizers wear, and you just sort of hear that word in 2023 colonizers. Yeah, uh, you hear that a little bit differently. So you know, maybe there's something in the background that's not being talked about. Uh, anyone want to bring up Thanksgiving? Anyway. Uh, yes, you are also right that it is ethically and morally dubious for the Doctor to do what he does in terms of Kazarin because he could he could just overpower Kazarin very easily. He could just follow through with this sort of threaty thing. But then he hears a Christmas Carol, he gets the idea of a Christmas Carol. And by the way, let's let's be in history corner as well as uh, Aaron Grievances corner because I feel like there's not enough reference to Charles Dickens. This Doctor's mm. supposed to be Charles Dickens's number one. Fan, and it takes him this long to recognize Kazran as a Scrooge archetype. Like, and why is the why is the S word never never spoken in this? Like, we we could have a lot more dialogue about Scrooge. We could have a lot more, you know, bigging up of Charles Dickens. His name isn't even spoken. Number one fan, my bottom. Um, <laughs> yeah, and is it right that right. Kazran is right? And you know, the, the Doctor is not not a licensed therapist. He's not a responsible adult. You can't just, you know, he, yes, I get that he's a Time Lord and he's doing uh, rehab out of order um, <laughs> with. Uh, to quote the giggle, which is kind of very much what he's doing in uh, a Christmas Carol, he's trying to do rehab for this guy who never signed up for it. Like you know, he's he's breaking all. He could not publish this study in the Gallifreyan scientific journals. Uh, <laughs> like there's so many ethical violations. Um, and then at the end, he just sort of walks away from from. He decides arbitrarily. He controls Abigail's life. He's just decided arbitrarily that she's going to spend her last day now because she has to sing to fish. Did mm. she get a say in that? We don't see it. Uh, yeah, and then he and then he just walks <laughs> away from both of them, leaving. He avoids the messy bit, which is Abigail suddenly dying at midnight, leaving old Kazran to deal with that. Thanks, Doctor. <laughs> just walking because wow. now Amy and Rory have landed. He's just off with them. You, oh, it's going to leave this single-handedly ruined a Christmas Carol <laughs> for so many people. Damn it! Okay, these are not my opinions. These are the opinions of a trained actor. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that I think really sort of bears some scrutiny is is what the Doctor does to Kazran because it is sort of front and center there, and. His ethics, you know, does he get a free pass because he's trying to save 4,000 people? I think to some extent, yes, he does. But that said, the sort of manipulation through time to sort of push someone in this sort of direction, at, you know, it's it's interesting because at least he's doing it to his face. In other words, he's showing him what he's doing and doing it to him. So he sort of understands it, which, again, also backfires to a certain extent. Yeah. But it actually got me thinking about this is a great idea to apply over a season or over a, a sort of a longer period of time with characters and have it be a little more um, part of a, a sort of a time manipulation adventure, right? Yeah. Which I don't think the Doctor, Doctor Who has done a lot of. Um, arguably, maybe a little bit with Harold Saxon and the Flux sort of storyline and uh, with the unit and stuff in there. But uh, I would love to see that sort of done done a little more thoughtfully and a little more 
to your point in a much more dubiously ethical way. Um, here, I think because he does it to his face, uh, it's it's less bad than it would be. And again, because there's this sort of emergency that we're at least convinced is real emergency um, through dialogue and lens flares. Um, you know, <laughs> well, I gotta say, I'm, so, I'm going to okay. give him a wide, uh, a long leash on this one, Doctor. So you 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 saying do it to his face? I'm going to air one more grievance. Mm-hmm. The the Doctor has nearly enabled child abuse here by a uh, child abuse by your elder self. And uh, okay, I'll, I'll just step aside, step into my. I'll I'll, I'll have a bi generation moment where I just step into the nice thing and say, yes, I absolutely love that scene because it draws on I think a bigger fear for all of us than than sharks swimming through the air, which is what would we look like to our younger selves? Yeah. Do I mean that's the power of that moment? Is like Cameron suddenly realizes what he looks like to that kid, the monster that he's become. And we all we all fear that ourselves. But he nearly strikes the kid. Okay, step back yeah. into Vesper's mode. Nearly strikes the kid. And and my God, what would have happened? I mean, we're going to talk in a bit about what ha- would happen if the evil plot succeeded. But what would have happened if Kazran had actually struck his younger self? Mm. I mean, you know, we're not even talking Blumovich limitation effect here because obviously he can he can hug the kid. It's not like two brigadiers meeting uh, from several years apart, apparently. Maybe it's the resonance of the ice crystals or whatever else you want to headcanon on this that prevents any sort of Blinovich problems, Kazran meeting himself, hugging himself. But no, if he'd struck himself as a kid, then that kid mm-hmm. has a memory of older him striking him, so then he becomes even more messed up. Like mm-hmm. You're going to have to bring in legions of Gallifreyan therapists <laughs> on this case if the doctor messes it up and has Kazran strike his younger self because it, I feel like there's sort of a feedback loop of yeah. insanity of, of PTSD that will never end. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it didn't happen. So, so, <laughs> yeah, well, so that's all right. Well, well, let me quote the toy maker. So that's all right then. Well, I'm kind of is again, you, I mean, you're pushing me into the, the role of being the <laughs> apologist for the doctor here. And, you know, I think, I think one, whenever someone's striking someone to your point, yes, situationally the doctor sort of set this up but it's on kazra it's on the person doing the striking okay so that that's number one um but yeah like the the whole thing where this (laughs) would this work changing your own memories bringing yourself to see yourself um probably not and probably there are a lot of consequences that we don't really see on screen uh so there, there are definitely some issues here but you know, in the context of this story where it sort of ends in a place that isn't an entirely happy ending, that is the thing with Abigail surely going to die within hours of the last moment we see her, even though she's having tons of fun with that shark. Um, you know, there's a it's a bittersweet ending. Mm. I think what we're sort of have to believe is that there is, you know, this whole high stakes of saving the lives of all these people who we kind of never see even in, in hologram form, but also like Kazran's life and yeah. his decisions and becoming something else. There's just so much upside to that. Cause if you think about like, okay, all those people in that vault, this is a sort of a point of discussion between me and my kids after went after, after, after the closing credits ran is that, well, is he just going to free all those people? And I asked them, you know, mm-hmm. what do you think? And they, you know, they both thought, yeah, he's, 
he will. And it's like, well, that's, that's good. And that's actually like, because we see that and we see the people and we felt that more than the ship, mm. that is a bigger win in my view, yeah, even though yeah. they never say it. So where they ended up, um, it, it's, it's a much better place. So yes, high risk, but high reward. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, here's how I'm going to head candidate to save Christmas uh, and save a Christmas carol. I'm going to head candidate that that off screen after he walks uh, back to, up to Amy and Rory, he, he goes back to Kazran uh, and uh, Abigail after they finish their shark ride, and he presents them with two tickets for for one night on Derillium. Oh. <laughs> so Abigail has her last day. But she has it on a planet where day equals whatever it is, 24 years? Yeah, something like that. Which yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that would work. That would be the day. Gotta say, yeah. Abigail doesn't look particularly sick, right? <laughs> so it's like, what no. exactly is she gonna die of? Is it, you know, ticking time bomb disease? <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be this thing where her cells just all sort of come apart. <laughs> whoa that's right and that's happened the pull to open sign just fell my power (laughs) the power of the ghost of christmas future just did that you got a little floating fish back there i think (laughs) no i'm just gonna take that as a cue and that is a cue to start asking some questions about what's going on here and those are of course the four questions to doomsday Oh my god. I First feel question. I feel punished by the randomizer. But yes. Well, let's find out. That could be why the randomizer took us here because that's the first question. Why did it? Well, obviously it wanted to get Christmassy with it. Uh it's definitely been interesting watching this in the context of the Christmas of the of the holiday specials. Yeah. Looking at the Christmas special coming up, which uh I gotta say a lot of fans are uh not too thrilled about the idea of the doctor singing of there being an actual song in the Christmas special. Uh, yeah, those fans are jerks. Yeah, they, they absolutely <laughs> are. And here is the randomizer telling you that you're jerks because here is a beautiful uh, Christmassy song uh, that, that I have grown to love. And, uh, you know, the, the doctor has changed my history on this. It was, it was definitely the Christmas special that I think I needed to see. Uh, it gave me the opportunity to wear the bar humbug hat. So thank you, randomizer for that. Uh, it's a nice, nice soft landing. Um, and yeah, I mean, imagine if we'd had to watch Dalek master plan, uh, right after the giggle, that would, I mean, <laughs> yay, Mavic Chen, but mm. yeah, thank you, randomizer for the soft landing. Wow. Yeah. You're really just tempting that fate. <laughs> right? you know, we talk about Dalek's master plan a lot, but oh boy. Um, yeah, I really don't have much more than that. Tis the season, certainly after the giggle and everything that went on there, the sort of timey wiminess of the story. Um, yeah, and singing, I'll take that. Yeah, singing and is okay. Singing is good in Doctor Who. It has a place. It do definitely that. does. And and definitely all of that, it, it it ties into the impossible planet and the Satan pit as well in all of the ethical considerations. We talked about that, that last week, that it's a mm-hmm. very sort of ethically interesting story. So is this. Mm-hmm. And some of those ethics are explored 
in a very interesting way. So this is like mature, thought, peak mature, thoughtful Doctor Who while still being tons of fun. And what else do you want at Christmas? Yeah, that's true. Actually, if you think about it, the randomizer has been on a bit of a maturity streak. If you think mm, about yeah. Nightmare of Eden. That's right. The Wire and Space. Yeah. And now this one. Yeah. Mature themes, mature jokes. Definitely. <laughs> maturity. Definitely getting at this question of identity and how identity can be changed, which is not just a theme of the specials, but yeah, also this a theme of everything we've been everywhere we've been since the three doctors. Right. As long as those identities don't involve mortgages, I think. Hey, All right. which hello, that definitely got referenced again, right? We've been mm. we forgot to mention that the randomizer has been sort of hinting at the mortgage thing. Like we, the impossible planet turned out to be the perfect thing to see right before the giggle, given the doctor finally does have to settle down with someone. Oh my God. Sounds like some kind of evil plot. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to ask ourselves about this story. And what if the evil plot had succeeded? Okay. So we're assuming that the evil plot is Kazran's and not the doctor's evil plot to change Kazran's timeline. Right, uh, which is succeed. succeeds. Um, <laughs> but Kazran doesn't really have a plot. So this is my thing here. It's like he's not he doesn't want the ship to crash. He just doesn't care. He's just like, whatevs. I, I'm not gonna lift yeah. a finger to save those people because it, it he just doesn't want to. Um so I don't think he cares whether the ship crashes or not. So if the plot to change him doesn't work which it almost doesn't because the machine doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the doctor just somehow finds another way to f- save the ship. I think, and it does makes no difference to Kazran, you know, like I, I don't believe he'd just shrug and go like, Oh, I'll call up Amy, Amy Rory. Sorry. You guys are dead. Yeah. I'll uh, going to f- pick up some other companions in a, a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. um, in fact, yeah. I like, I like this Abigail person. Maybe I'll grab, grab her. Yeah. Oh, she, she's got good companion potential. So, uh, so I think he, he basically time travels, figures out the, some giant net or some giant cushion mm-hmm. that catches the ship, or maybe he even fools the Daleks into like tractor beaming the ship so that it, it comes back to safety and then sort of double crosses them. And then maybe, maybe even Sarda gets his because then the Daleks come looking for the doctor and then just blast him away. So. Yeah, yeah. Or, or the Doctor like calls up images of Daleks, so really scares Kazran, you know, close to death. Mm. Uh, uh, or, you know, just goes all on coming storm on his ass. Yeah, like what he was doing with me and uh, what was that one? Face the Raven. Like, yeah. Give me a minute, I'll bring the Daleks here and I'll make sure, you know, you're, you're, you pay for this. Uh, You'll find it's a very small universe when I'm angry with you. Hmm. Indeed. There it is, Grim. Right. Oh boy. That's speaking uh, of Christmas. speaking of the thing that uh, the doctor was angry about. Uh, we have a question. It's where is the Clara Splinter? Clara Oswald, of course, splintered in time at the end of the name of the doctor. She's somewhere in every single Doctor Who story. Where is she in a Christmas carol? She is the one who has managed to make Abigail's voice that extraordinary. She's the singing teacher for the family. But also she's like a singing, again, getting into the ethical implications of changing someone's timeline. She's the singing teacher, but somehow she has to stop Abigail from becoming like super intergalactic famous with that voice. Oh, okay. So she says 
she's a great voice coach, but yeah. she also says I should also be your agent, and she's yeah. deliberately a bad agent. And she's like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. I just I'm no one's calling me back, or like maybe it's just like you know what, love, you're great. Don't give up the day job. Uh, your day. What's your day job? Oh, you're you're poor. Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, no, just just stay stay poor, and if you can you know, nobly sacrifice yourself uh, and just step into this cryogenic chamber uh, mm. and your family won't have to owe uh, Mr. Sadrick so much money. Uh, it's Mrs. Sadrick. Yes. Um, I like that. That's good. <laughs> I, all yeah. I can think of was that every time the doctor takes Sardik and uh, Abigail somewhere that he needs someone to hold the camera while they mm. <laughs> shoot photos in front of the Eiffel Tower or whatever. Yes. And there's always a Petite uh, yeah, brunette there, yeah. ready to hold this weird-looking camera, and she just kind of disappears every time. So yeah, yeah. For some reason, she doesn't seem to uh, blink twice at it being a smartphone camera. So it's a little weird hmm. she to be up on different kinds of technology, and she's just everywhere. So little little petite brunettes and sunglasses around every major landmark. Yeah, yeah. And maybe she's where. also maybe she also has to be the pastor at the the church where the doctor gets quote unquote married to Marilyn just to make sure that she cannot legally perform the same. Oh yeah. She, she steps in. Chapel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She makes, she makes sure of that because river would, be, river would be so mad. Yeah, she would. If the doctor married thinking, Marilyn, well, she, she could be the driver to make sure he doesn't go to a real chapel. Yes. So there you go. Or she's All actually, right. she's actually Marilyn. <laughs> and it's so it's not Marilyn. It's Clara. Okay, no. no, I don't like this whole documentary. No, no, you just went there. No, yeah, sorry. Okay, that's uh, another. You know cue. Move on. To... <laughs> Me, Frank Sinatra, and Albert Einstein. When we get together, room. Anyway, <laughs> it's time for the final question. The ultimate question. The only question that matters for a Christmas Carol. What did we think of this story? The Polta Open Rating System has six ratings. There's the Dalek, which we give to a good episode of Doctor Who. The Ogron, which we give to a bad episode of Doctor Who. The Professor Hader, which we give to a bad episode, but hey, at least they tried something. The Viscount Banger, which we reserve for the best of the best. The Fixed Point in Time, which is a story beyond rating, sometimes for reasons of nostalgia, but occasionally for other reasons. Or the Lady Cassandra, which of course is the doctor who story with a paper thin plot but hey at least it looks good particularly with a little moisturizing what do we got right. well what i've got pete is a, is a present for you it's my <laughs> it's my christmas present it's in a rather large box under the tree uh, and uh, when you when you start unwrapping it you get a little glint of gold at the top it's a coronet it's a coronet no. worn by a member of the british aristocracy and it's and you pull it down and it's actually a Dalek wearing a Viscount Banger uh, headdress. <laughs> That's so wait a minute, right. is it a hybrid? It's a hybrid. Wow. I independently came to the same conclusion. This is a Dalek Whoa. Banger hybrid. I was so not sure which way to go on this because I really enjoyed it. My, my appreciation for this increases almost with every watch. Um, I think my kid, I think I'm really influenced by my kids here too. This has definitely become, if not their favorite, one of their favorites. They love revisiting it. I really loved watching it with Grace. Uh, and she 
she cried at the you know the the sad mm. moments and she sort of snuggled into me it was such a good thing but she was so so happy to watch it because she knew it would sort of happen but it's it's just this doctor who chris it's it's like it's a wonderful life this is basically mm. you said it. it's doctor who's it's a wonderful life yeah you like going back and crying at the cry bits and mm. loving the fun bits um it's it's a classic but at the same time there is sort of the weaknesses of the the star trekiness and the sidelining of the companions and all you know etc um so it's it's a step short of perfection but it is really really good it's it's definitely like beyond it's, even it's, an emperor dalek it's a dalek banger hybrid it's definitely the best christmas episode that we've been to so far mm. uh, which we only really have the competitors of uh dr wither and the wardrobe did we do any others um that, no we did um runaway bride we did runaway bride it's better mm-hmm. than that but yeah i think you've also got to start looking um at our top 100 our hot 100 uh, of the stories we've visited so far, go back and listen to that podcast if you haven't. Uh, you know, the Viscount Banger 100% percentage would put this in the realm of War Games, Inferno, Genesis, Talons, Legopolis, Dalek, Girl in the Fireplace, Blink. You know, it's not quite up there. It's not mm-hmm. like Day of the Doctor, it's not Flatline. Uh, you know, by giving it a 50% Banger rating, this puts it more in the realm of like Rosa, the Aztecs, Carnival of Monsters, Mythmakers. I think that's the perfect slot for it. So yeah, and you, just, we... you kind of have to think about it outside the Christmas context. I, I love yeah. watching this at Christmas. It's great. It's perfect for the season. But would, would you actually go out of your way to see this in July or yeah. you know some other part of the year? Like, oh yeah, that's, you know, it's pleasant. It's nice to revisit, but you wouldn't be as affected by it. So it feels like a banger in December. But yes. most of the time it's probably... You know, just a really, really amazing Dalek. Yeah, you know what we could do for for, for just just what just this once, Rose. Uh, we could make it like a special Christmas number one in mm. in our hearts in our Hot One Hundred. There, there we go. go, just for one week only. <laughs> Folks, you heard about what we thought of a Christmas Carol. You can now share your opinion with our poll feature in Spotify. So, Spotify listeners, go to the poll. Rate the Christmas Carol, the Christmas Carol, the a Christmas Carol, and uh, let us know what you think, and we'll talk about those results in a couple of weeks, probably. Yeah, looking forward to that. We'll 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 see that, I guess, before the new year. Uh, we'll be able to talk about that. But in the meantime, it's time to escape this planet before Abigail dies, because we don't want to stick around for that messy bit. So let's leave a Christmas Carol and pretend that she's never going to die, and step back into our TARDIS and hit the randomizer, which has two components. Pete has run all the way around the uh, external, uh, internal rings of the TARDIS, David Tennant-like, and is standing at the controls. (laughs) Yes, and he's standing at the controls of the Codex, which is the list of every Doctor Who story in non-random order. And, And folks, just so you know, you know, we we don't. I don't look at the codex uh, I, very often, if ever. Like I look at the Hot One Hundred order. I can't remember the last time I looked at the codex. I've not memorized the numbers. I do not. I cannot come up with a. You know, there's nothing up my sleeve. Literally, look. Um, you know, well, I, I stand, feel like the numbers change every week because we we take out the ones. Yes. That. Uh, yeah. So, so. And I'm really bad at math anyway because I'm a journalist. So. 
I just uh, stand all the way over here at the controls of the, what's this, a jukebox at the other end of the TARDIS, um, uh, which is random.org. Is it kind of a jukebox? But it's a jukebox that uses atmospheric noise instead of algorithms to come up with its randomness. So, yes, uh, reflected crystals, fish in the atmosphere, all of that goes into this truly random number. And uh, what I do is I enter... The minimum and the maximum. Minimum is one, and an earthly child was still not being there. And the maximum, Pete, now, because now we've added the giggle, yes? Oh, yes. The giggle is there. What is the maximum number that we can go to? It is, once again, 199. (laughs) Uh, We might might be able to get out of the 199 zone before the Church of Ruby Road, but it'll put us right back in there. I feel Uh, like this randomizer portion is going to start to feel a lot like Hellbent. (laughs) <laughs> uh heaven sent do you mean sent, least, sorry, yeah, what's wrong yeah. With me? yeah by the Bad. way did you did, you, did we Bad. discuss this the doctor being a billion years old in the giggle yes we did okay um yeah, we did. all right before i hit the generate button we're going to issue some challenges to the randomizer or we're going to stand cap in hand in front of the randomizer and say please please mr randomizer may we have christmas off um <laughs> and I, yeah, I'm going to say, give us, you know, we sort of asked for vacations in the past, uh, around like, you know, vacation times, Christmas times, give us something nice and easy, like a lovely little low stakes, you know, perhaps a little bit fun, light on the brain story. Don't give us anything. Like, I know you'd like to investigate ethics. So do we, but come on, it's Christmas randomizer. Give us Mm -hmm. something like just where I don't have to think too much. That's my ask. Cool. Okay, so we're coming from a Christmas story. We have another Christmas story coming up, the story being the church on Ruby Road. Mm. And I'm feeling like let's lean into the Christness of it. Let's do something with a church or some kind of religious setting. Bells of St. John's even. Could be, uh, could be something like the Daemons or mm. um, of Fenric, or Rings of Akaton, Even though, mm. yeah, you know, things of that like that. That's a very religious episode. That kind of thing. Let's get some yeah. more. Let's get some religious. What religious Satan? Thing. Satan wasn't enough for you. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I need, Satan I need a cleanser. Too. I need a Satan <laughs> cleanser. That's what I need. A little Satan sorbet, if you will. All right, give me yeah. a countdown. I'll hit the generate button. In four, three, two, one. Like a letter. One hundred and eighty-seven. This oh, is recent, for sure. Very recent. <gasps> Look at this. It is demons of the Punjab. Whoa. Okay. Nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Very boring. Nice. Nice. Uh, yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You you asked I to get away it. from the devil, and <laughs> <laughs> and here we have demons. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, this is fabulous. I love 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 demons of the Punjab. Uh, I I bawled when I watched it the first time. I'm wow, very interested in that sort of period of history. We're going to get into a history corner about the partition. That's going to be a fun Christmassy thing to do. Oh my goodness. <laughs> We're going to get wow. into it. We're now yeah. in the 15th Doctor, so we got to re- rewind two. Two back. That's right. Whitaker. Way back in the Jodie Whittaker era. Remember <laughs> when. 
<laughs> Way back in that first season. Oh, folks, this has been Pull to Open. It is a podcast. Podcasts are great things to follow or subscribe to. So if you haven't done that, go ahead and please do so. We're available on all the fine podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music, Overcast, Google, etc. All of it. Go ahead and follow us on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Threads, Pull to Open 63, TikTok and Blue Sky at Pull to Open. Thank you, Martin West as ever for our music and we will see you next time for some demons in the Punjab. job all right happy demonish christmas everyone <laughs>